Good afternoon, everybody. This is Debbie Q with The Right Shoe. The Right Shoe is a podcast about all things strange and unusual, especially in reference to a death. In today's episode, I want to go over three. Yes, three, because I have three that all kind of fit with the moms going. I know every mom goes nuts when their son or daughter is missing or finally found is dead. I mean, I can't, I won't even imagine. It's got to be the worst nightmarish thing ever. I can't even really do children episodes. I did a few, but God, they're they're just heart-wrenching. So I try to stick with the adults. But regardless, these three always stuck in my head because the mothers and the fathers really just touched my heart. And I, I would think about them from time to time. So that they all, so that's why I'm doing the three. I, I won't deep dive into any of them, but I will tell you the stories. And the stories alone, they're all just unbelievable. Unbelievable. The Right Shoe, if you wanted to get in touch with me, it's the right shoe 65 at gmail.com. That's the right shoe 65 at gmail.com or Instagram, the right shoe podcast underscore underscore. Also, I have to say, there's a That Chapter did an excellent, because he really nailed it all the way around, episode about Danielle Imbo Richard Patron case. He did such a good overview, and I can only say certain things, but trust me, he nailed who allegedly might have kind of, but did do it. I won't even go there. That case is one of those cases that's unsolved, you know, with the air quotes, unsolved, haha, not really, you know, but, you, you know, no one can say anything because it's not provable. So if you check that out, very good. I was surprised. I was surprised because people always, I mean, although I've heard some really interesting theories, like one person had suggested Israel Keys. And I was like, wow, I mean, you know, like he was a real crazy freak. Something like that. Hey, you know, maybe I I can't discount anything. So I said, was he in Pennsylvania during that time? Because he'd be the kind of nut job that could make a truck and two adults disappear. So I don't know, you know, (laughs) my dog. My dog is currently licking the blanket. I always used to have Buddy, my other dog, my precious angel who's on the rainbow bridge. He used to always sit with me. And now I have Coco, who's just a delight. But she is such a puppy. I never had a puppy before. Never. I thought I did. But here, my dad, when he brought home dogs, it was all, they were always adults. So, or at least over two. So I, it's, it's amazing having a puppy. They're just so silly. She's the best. Buddy gave her to us. I know he did because of the way we got her. It was, it was a fluke. I didn't want a dog. I said, I got to go through the pain of Buddy right now. And then she comes out of nowhere. And I was just like, I, I just literally, she was dropped into our laps And I was like, oh, do I want to deal with a puppy right now? Because Buddy used to take naps with me, and I miss my naps. But, man, she is just, she was for us, and she's a good girl, but she's currently licking the blanket. 
She's so silly. Silly. And she loves paper. I don't know what it is. Today I want to do the Shannon Melendi case first. Then I'll dip on into this guy named Jesse James Hollywood and his fucking nutbagness and what he did. And then I will... Her name was Margie Jovovic. It's a it's a Polish last name. And I'll get to all three crazy cases. And the mothers, again, just broke my heart. And in fact, Shannon Melendi's mother, may she rest in peace because she... Her and Shannon's father, Louis and Yvonne, really... From the moment I saw the, and it does, I feel like as soon as I start talking about it, I feel like I'm going to start crying. The father and mother to that case just broke my heart. They they just, you can feel the pain when they talk about, uh, it just sucks. It sucks. I have to give a shout out. This is way off the track uh, to Denzel Washington of all people. I forgot about this movie called Flight. It's about Denzel Washington as an alcoholic, and he's a like tremendous pilot. And this plane crash happens, and he drinks, you know, because he drinks every day. And the, I think he smoked a little crack. Then he gets on this plane. Now the plane's fucked up, but it. I'm not telling you anything. I'm not like this is really not a spoiler. It, it crashes, and they begin to investigate the crash. And then there's a side story about this girl. Well, a parallel story about this girl. And she is a heroin addict who overdoses. And together, their stories parallel. If you have Max, watch Flight. He, I strongly suggest it because Denzel Washington plays that part so well. Especially if you're struggling with addiction. In January, I'll be sober two full years. Whatever gets you through, it doesn't matter how you do it. When you reach the end, you'll know it. So, okay, I got to get to these stories because I can't even talk about anything right now. I'm so emotional. I'm afraid to get through. I have three very emotional stories. It's going to make me pop. Okay, these stories are just un-fucking-believable. Everyone drives me nuts for a certain reason. All right, this is the story of Shannon Melendi. Her parents were Louis and Yvonne, and Yvonne just recently passed in 2021. And you can tell that Louis and Yvonne, were their bond was strong. And he said, like, I lost my partner. I'm fighting this alone because I think this this fucking idiot is up for parole. I, okay, I'll get, let me get to the story. Shannon Melendi was 19. She, there, she has one sister also. But, it, you know, it was just Shannon. I, I don't remember the sister's name. I'll, I'll get it. But she had one sister. Shannon was 19 when she disappeared in March 1994. Now, this is what makes me furious. So this John Petrie, he's a prosecutor, and he was furious, as I was, and the parents. When Shannon went missing, she had been in college. Now, all of a sudden... You know, this girl who's a go-getter, you know, she's, they said, like, she's the daughter you always want to have. She was just a really good kid. She just goes missing. Now, this, really, I don't understand. Like, when you have a family or friends, you know, because every family's going to say, oh, my kid's the best. He wouldn't do this. But when it, whoever comes to investigate, investigators come to say, what happened to your kid? 
And you say, I mean, they might be a little more on the up and up since 1994, I would hope. It just blows my mind that they're saying my daughter's missing and they just took it as a joke. That really got to me. Like when a family and friends and people are saying, no, this is not a joke. Why didn't they? I just don't get it. But I'm hoping since 94, it's become different. And as soon as they find out that someone is missing and they say this is not in their character, that they'll be like, all right, we're on it. But it is hard when they're adults. That's the that's the hard part. Well, she's an adult. They don't have to. And plus, 95% of the people, I think that's one of the statistics, get found. So I, I don't know. It just drove me nuts. This is what the prosecutor said. John Petrie is his name, who describes how it was. Well, now this girl, Shannon Melende, goes missing, 19 years old. She worked at a softball game that day. The parents are like, she's missing. And Lewis right away goes just bonkers. He says, we're never going to see her again. He had a very bad feeling. And this is what John Petrie had said about the way the investigators reacted. She kept score during morning games for the first time in her life. They broke for lunch. She was seen leaving the field and was never seen or heard from again. For days and days and days, uh, the attitude was, this is college girls going wild. Shannon has just come back from a great spring break vacation. She's met lots of new guys and girls. She's probably just hanging out with one of them. So she's gone. For days, this is going on. They find her car by this place that she was doing the ball game at, taking score. Her keys are inside. So the missing persons case becomes a kidnapping case. It gets really strange. This story was one of, like, uh, it's just bizarre. She's at this ball game, and they're they're starting to interview people because that was the last time she was seen. They This pitcher, Jerry Chaston, he says, oh, yeah, I seen something really strange at that game. Lord have mercy, anybody would have had to pay attention to what was going on that day. It was so bizarre. Nothing like that. Has ever happened to me in a softball game before? This guy, this umpire there that day, could not keep his eyes off of Shannon Melende. His name was Butch Hinton, and I will never forget that name because he makes me sick. I mean, in the middle of a pitch, he would physically turn around and go back and start talking to this girl. And here I am in the middle of a pitch, and he had the nerve to turn around and look and go, ball. So how do you know? You wasn't even looking. So three days after Shannon's disappearance, a man calls the police that was on the missing posters and said he had the victim and he would keep her until he was through with her. He also said he had Shannon's ring. Her, um, It was probably her school ring. He sends it back to the, the call was traced to a payphone near a restaurant and the ring was mailed back in a small cloth bag wrapped in masking tape. So they, the only thing they have is that, that bag. The bag was traced back to the manufacturer, Delta Airlines. The masking tape was also traced back to Delta. No trace of Shannon is found and little progress is made during this time. They... Do go through that picture did bring up Butch Hinton 
And nothing really happens until this idiot sets fire to his house. He's trying to collect on his home insurance. He needs money. Now, they catch him for the insurance fraud. But in the meantime, he they figure out he did this insurance fraud. And they find all these women's clothes are a petite size, which is not his wife. So he has all these clothes in his backyard. And I don't even think extra small was Shannon's size. So who knows how many victims this guy had. But in the meantime, they got these clothes that aren't Shannon's, but they know he's a sick freak at this point. He was a sex offender. One time he went to his employer's home and assaulted this girl. He tried to restrain her with rope, but he let her go if she promised that she would not tell anybody, but she called the police as soon as she left. So he was treated as a juvenile and given psychiatric treatment. That's when his brother's former girlfriend met up with him, and he he got her, restrained her with rope, abducted her, brought her to his basement, sexually assaulted her. She only got away because his wife, who came to testify at the Shannon Melende trial, said, I came down and he has this girl. And, and they said, like, she said she was tied up. She had rope around her. He, she was restrained. So he was charged with kidnapping and served a small prison term. It wasn't that big. So when the arson happens and they find the clothes, they figure this guy's a predator. Louis Melende said, to forensic files in his interview he said i you know i was close to the fbi early on and they told me early on that butch hinton was the guy who got shannon there was the profiling and it wasn't that hard to profile this guy most likely was the one who killed her so they go back after the score the last time she seen one of the neighbors said there was a bonfire in his yard at 3 a.m. the day after Shannon went missing. So they're starting to really get into it. In fact, they had people like there was a cellmate of Butch Hinton's Adonis Cornwell who said, you know, he, he was in the cell with Butch. One night he woke up screaming, crying, saying "I he did not kill her. The demon inside him had... Also, somebody else Alan, said that Butch told him he was worried that he'd be blamed for Shannon's death because his scorebook had been left in her car. Everyone kind of knew it was him. Everyone around him was not surprised. Finally, they get enough evidence through all this, through the investigation. He worked at Delta. So the bag that had been mailed with the ring was from Delta. He worked at Delta. All this very circumstantial yet circumstantial evidence is, is is what it is and sometimes that's all you're going to get it all pointed to butch you know i guess during the interviews with them he said he would he told police that he would confess he asked shannon if she wanted to get lunch that day the 26th of march 1994 they she she agreed they went to burger king he said that he had a cramp in his leg and would she drive the car. When they were inside a car, the car, Butch held a knife to Shannon's throat and forced her to drive to his house, which was 25 minutes from the country club where they, she was keeping score of the baseball game. When they got inside, he raped Shannon and kept her inside for 12 hours. Now, he made phone calls. All the while, she's upstairs 
restrained. And he kept, he said that she was very calm the whole time. And he kept saying, look, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. I, he went out to dinner with his wife. Finally, after telling her that he would let her go, he kills her. It just blows my mind. I hate what I've done. I know I will never, ever be forgiven. I accept that, but I am so sorry. I've hurt so many people. I mean, and they never found her body. Calvin Butch Hinton was the first person in Georgia history to be convicted of a murder without a body. He was sentenced to life in prison, but under Georgia law, he is eligible for parole after serving seven years. To this date, he's been denied parole. The next parole hearing will be 2025. This is from CBS in Miami. I'll just play a little bit of it. This is her dad. Disappeared in Atlanta. Shannon Melendi was never found. After a grueling search, a convicted sex offender confessed to kidnapping, raping, and strangling Shannon. He was sentenced to life in prison, but all these years later, Shannon's father tells me he's worried justice will not be served. This is uh, Shannon when she was 19. 25 years after the disappearance of his daughter, Luis Melendi is still seeking closure. Life has not been the same since March 26, 1994. On that day, Shannon Melendi was kidnapped from the softball country club in Atlanta, where she worked as a scorekeeper. The Emory University student from South Florida was the target of a massive search effort, her father pleading for information. If they cannot find the body, then my daughter is alive somewhere out there. Shannon's body was never found. Nearly 10 years after she disappeared, Colvin Butch Hinton, a convicted sex offender who worked as an umpire for the game, was found guilty of killing Shannon. He was sentenced to life in prison. He destroyed not only Shannon and all she could have been, but she, he destroyed my family, including my younger daughter. Melendi, who runs a photo studio in Key Largo, told me he feels betrayed by investigators who never found his daughter's body. Hinton claims he set it on fire and disposed of the ashes. Melendi feels let down by the court system in Georgia, where Hinton is eligible for parole every seven years. The next date coming up before February of next year. Why is a convicted murderer, a confessed rapist, the man who killed your daughter, even considered for parole? Well, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, he won't be considered uh, for parole this time. Last time... They, they denied the hearing. Still, Melendi is circulating petitions to make sure Hinton never leaves prison alive. I want him dead now. I want him to die. I want him just out of this world and, and leave our family alone because it's, it's never ending. For strength, Melendi relies on his wife Yvonne and daughter Monique, seen in this family portrait with a white glow in the background. I just wanted to do it, put a little lighting in the back to, in, in my mind, make it feel like, like Shannon was there. There's an, an angel. Uh, she's always around us, protecting us, you know, and uh, always with us, yes. That just breaks my goddamn heart. Uh, it just makes me crazy because Yvonne passed away in 2021, and so now it's Louis and Monique. I really... You know, pray for Lewis. I hope that Butch never gets out of prison. I hope he dies in there, too. It just blows my mind. That case is always very, 
don't know, that Lewis, he always got to me, and Yvonne, because they were honest, you know. They said it just doesn't destroy, you know, you just didn't kill her, you killed our family. You know, it affects everything. It affects your marriage, your everything. It's such a, a harbinger of bad. I don't know why. It's got to be a demon, not that I'm making excuses, but... I do believe there, there's, it's the devil. It's the devil's work. So that was Shannon Melende. And I really hope that Butch Hinton dies in prison. I don't wish him anything good. He seems like a real jerk. Okay, so on to this story is another craziest story. And with the mother, when they, oh, it just broke my heart what she says when they interview her. This was on Unsolved Mysteries. It was the story... His name was Jesse James Hollywood. He was the predator. Okay, now Jesse James Hollywood was born with... He was a, an American drug dealer. His victim was Nicholas Markowitz. This story is just fucking bizarre. On August 6, 2000, Jesse James Hollywood and some of his crew... Je some guy named Jesse Rug and William Skidmore, they kidnapped this guy, Nicholas Markowitz. His half-brother, Ben, owed Hollywood $1,200 in a drug debt, which he said he was never going to pay. The intention was to use Nicholas as leverage to get Ben to pay this debt. Now, he held Nicholas for a few days. And during this time, people that were interviewed saw him. They said he wasn't restrained. He was at a pool. They were partying, talking. So that's, I don't understand if Jesse James Hollywood just told him like, look, I'm just kidnapping you for this time being. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why he did not run away unless he figured if I try to get away, they're going to kill me. So he was trying to appease them by just, you know, getting through this. So what's fucked up is that he calls his lawyer. I, I just call him Hollywood. Hollywood calls his lawyer who says, look, you're involved in a kidnapping. That's going to give you a life sentence. And he's like freaking out. So instead of letting him go, because I guess he could talk, he orders this guy, Ryan Hoyt, one of his subordinates, to kill Markowitz. Mark uh, Hoyt takes a Tech-9, goes into the woods, and kills him, and they bury him in a shallow grave. Now, when Ryan was arrested, Hollywood fled the country and ultimately went to Brazil. It took a long, long time, but they finally got him. In Brazil, he was on America's Most Wanted. He was on Unsolved Mysteries. He developed a relationship with this girl, Marcia Rice, and she got pregnant. Hollywood thought her pregnancy would prevent him from being extradited. I will play because there's two clips, you know, succession of the mothers that broke my heart. First, I'll play you. It's Ben Markowitz talking about how he feels about being the reason that Hollywood kidnapped his half-brother. He's a real little guy. Very obnoxious, just the type of guy you'd want to take his stuff. I didn't fear him. He was, like I just said, he was just, Jesse was just a little man. It was, <laughs> I was like, $1,200? Yeah, sure, I'll get you later, buddy. So 
he says like he just couldn't believe this actually happened. I mean, this is unfucking believable that they actually killed this kid. Instead of letting him go, would he have gotten life for kidnapping? I don't know. He got life anyway. He was arrested by Brazilian authorities in March 2005. In July 2005, Rice gave birth to Hollywood's son. But Jesse James Hollywood is still in jail. He's the only one who is still in jail following their convictions. There was a movie called Alpha Dog in 2006, which is based on this. It's just fun. And they, you know, the thing is, though, while you're playing cops and robbers, you just destroyed this poor mother. Oh, my God. Nightmares you wake up from. This is worse than a nightmare. They've destroyed me. They've gutted me. I am soulless. I am lost. That was his poor mother. I mean, I just cannot imagine knowing that whole story, how it must have tortured her. I mean, knowing that this kid was just, you know, he probably didn't even think, he was probably kind of almost having fun thinking, oh, he's just going to keep me a few days. Because he was seen in a pool, like gallivanting about. It wasn't taken seriously, as the other kid said. Even in this one video, they show a bunch of videos of like one of the kids who he owed money to. And he said, say it on tape you know, of what he owed Jesse James Hollywood. And the kid just looks at him with such disdain. So I think Jesse James Hollywood was like a gangster in his own mind. And everyone just thought of him as a joke until this shit started. And I don't even think he should be in jail. He should have been given death for all I care. But the point is, I don't think he intentionally did this. Although I'm very glad he's still in prison for it. It's just ridiculous. I I don't understand this shooting people. Because, again, I know I always harp on it, but in Philadelphia right now, there's such shootings. And it's because young kids, you know, when you're young, you really don't see how precious life is for the most part. And it's just a joke. Like, it's just not real. It's a game. So it means, you know, and and I believe that's why the shootings are so consistent. And nine times out of 10, a young person, usually older people, it seems like the shootings are from, you know, like self-defense or a legitimate abuse for years, something like that. Or your life is falling apart and you feel there's no way out. But with kids, it seems to be just at a whim. Like somebody cuts them off and then they run out and shoot the person. Like there's no rhyme or reason. Just the other day in the in the airport, which is where usually I have to say officers go to kind of just do the remainder of their time. There was a, a shootout in the parking garage because two they weren't even in their uniforms yet it was two undercover cops go in they saw people these kids running through i think but one was 18 one was close to that age they're running through cars trying to steal them so there was like a little altercation well then there was gunfire the one cop gets killed the other cops injured and the other kid got killed by his own the, the his own person's bullets like his friend shot him in this ensuing 
gunfight. I mean, that's ridiculous. Two people dead because someone was trying to steal a car. It's out of control. You cannot get the guns off the street. No way. It's never going to happen. It's way too late for that. What needs to be done is enforcing the laws that are on the books. Be smart about it. Don't be naive. Just start putting people in jail. If they, they know there's no outcome, it's lawless right now. Start putting people in jail and paying for their crimes. And I think people would think a little more. I really do, because this wasn't that bad uh, even 10 years ago. I don't remember the shootings like this. Something changed it. And what changed it is now we have people in office who really, I don't know what they're trying to do, trying something new. But the only person that loves them is the criminals. So come on, let's stop this. That's my soapbox for now. So Jesse James, in July 2000, it was July 8, 2009, there was three days of deliberation. The jury did reach a verdict in this case. The jury found Jesse James Hollywood guilty of kidnapping and first-degree murder with special circumstances, for which he could have faced the death penalty. On Monday, July 13th, the jury began the penalty phase of the trial. The mother of the defendant and of the victim took the stand as did brothers of the defendant and the victim. The closing arguments began during the second day, and July 15, 2009, Hollywood was sentenced according to the jury's recommendation of life in prison. Hollywood has continued to file for appeal for both his trial and sentencing in various courts. 2010, the judge just upheld his sentence without parole, 2012, an appellate court upheld the conviction and denied a new trial. Hollywood's defense alleged he was not guilty because Markowitz could have left at any time, which is, I get strange, but again, they probably just thought it was some kind of joke. He did not have to kill him. He killed him, which was stupid. Whether he could have escaped or not, he should not have killed him, period. July 19, 2014, Hollywood married this Melinda Enos, who began writing to him. The ceremony was held in the visitor's room. With the release of Ruge on October 2013, Hollywood and Hoyt, oh, so Ryan Hoyt is still in jail. The only two still serving prison sentences. So good, because Hoyt is the one who actually shot him. Hollywood is the one who created this mess. And like I said, Alpha Dog was the character of Johnny True Love in the 2006 film. It was based on this. That was the story of Jesse James Hollywood. There's one more story that broke my heart for the mother. And this was the story of Margie Jelovic. This story is just heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking because it's a very strange one. Margie Jelovic was born in Gary, Indiana, March 27, 1967. She had red hair, green eyes from her last name and her mom's accent. I'm assuming she's Polish. She was an amazing musician. And that's amazing because there was a Polish girl in my school named Anita Stachowicz, and she was an amazing uh, violinist. <laughs> that's so crazy. So she played the violin in the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. She was a widow because she had married this guy named Nassar. Just six months after their wedding, Nassar was killed in a car accident. 
I mean, she was shattered. She quit her job, left Michigan, and returned to her hometown of Gary, Indiana with her mother and her sister. She had a new job managing night shift at a tavern owned by her mother. So she was a little, what would you say, like, well, she was vulnerable. This guy, this biker guy, Randy Yeager, he was a high-ranking member of a motorcycle gang called the Outlaws. He was that charming bad boy that, man, they can just warp your brain. Now, me, I'm telling you, I was always a very, I was always a loner, always. So when anyone would try to sway me in any way, I was always like, no, just out of my sheer F you. I was born with a finger in my, like, my middle finger highly up. So I was always like, but I can totally see how when you're vulnerable and you you just crave affection that this could happen. I totally can see how this started. So he was charming and he kind of came on to her and he was just so much different than than she had ever known before. And those biker guys, I will say in my past, I have been with bad guys and they know how to make you fall in love with them big time as soon as you're in love well i mean it's not everyone does it like this but he was the kind of guy who liked to make you fall in love with them and see ya but that just made me like once i got over my broken heart i was like i am going to fucking school i'm gonna make something of myself but i could see how you could completely fall apart trust me if I was older or something else, it could have went differently. I'm just saying, when you're vulnerable and there's a bad boy, this what happened next doesn't... It's not a surprise, but it's such a shame. This was when she first came home. This is what her mother said. I, I just want to play the two clips of her mom because the second one, oh. It was really hard for her because she was so used to being in Michigan with uh, all her friends, school and work and everything. So she comes back home to live with her mom and her sister. And one day, her sister comes home and finds her missing. They replay what happened. And, you know, she had met this, the biker guy, Randy Yeager. Now, he had a past that she didn't really know about. He had killed an elderly couple because they had a lot of money in their home. And I'm sorry, if you killed an elderly couple, you're a scumbag. There's no excuse for that. It's, you know, whatever. Scum bag. You know, he got her, whatever. He hoodwinked her. And she followed him all over. And she she started acting really, really strange. She became very distant with her family and her customers. Really strange. Well, June 9th, 1997, they took a trip to Las Vegas. What, she, what Margie didn't know... Randy and other gang members were going to be uh, indicted for a crime spree that included bombings, robberies, and six murders. Two weeks later, Margie returned home. You know, she, she was shaken, but safely. She was afraid of the authorities pursuing him. She thought that her apartment was bugged and that people were following her. She's starting to believe in the us against them mentality and her sister said she just changed more and more and more. She wouldn't even talk. Like, she walks in. The mom says, do you want to talk? She says, I don't want to talk. She vanishes in September 1997. Her car luggage 
and several personal items were left behind. So her sister comes in and finds even her asthma medication, which recently my asthma has just gotten out of control. I could never leave the house without my inhaler because of how bad it's getting. I only need it like once a day or twice a day, but <laughs> even now I can't feel like I can't breathe. I don't know why. All of a sudden, it just started to bother me. Change of seasons. But the point is, is I can't leave without it. So for her to find her sister's inhaler, that's a big deal. They figured Randy was involved with it, you know. They didn't know where she was for a long, long time. And then the mom finds out that, you know, she's with Randy. Her mother just says this. I saw the pictures and I said, oh, my God, my daughter went with that man, you know. Oh, my God, what's going to happen to her now? Everyone's scared to death. She's so paranoid. And her sister, you know, she gets back from the first episode from Las Vegas. She's freaking out about the police and law enforcement. And and her sister says, look, Margie, you haven't done a thing. What are you worried about? It's him that they want, not you. But he got her so upset that that's what happened. He twisted her brain. At first, it just seemed like that, that she had run off and, and joined Jaeger wherever he was at. But upon investigation, we found out that she had taken none of her clothes, her car, or anything else. It just seemed that she was gone. Um, we're really not sure what happened there. So that investigator, like, they, it was confusing. Like, where the hell did she go? So he probably just came and said, come on, tuts, we're going. Let's live off the land. Like, What? I want Margie. I want her to come home. I want her to hear her voice and whatever she did, she did. But come home. My heart and my door is always open for her. I'm waiting for her. But, you know, they just disappeared. So they probably, I guess she disappeared in... 1997 case aired on Unsolved Mysteries four years later in 2001. They didn't find her until 2014. That's almost 20 years after she disappeared. How the hell could you stay away from your family that long? I'm mind blown. Like, what the hell? I, I She had to... It had to be a vulnerability issue, and this guy came in and just said, your your family's bad, I'm the only one. I don't know what he did to sway her to be gone from her family for this long, but they didn't find her until 2014. Randy and Margie were living together in Rosarita, Mexico. Authorities closed in because Randy had to do a prison term. Margie got so freaked out, she flees in her car. There's a high-speed chase, and she is killed as she gets into an accident due to this craziness. I mean, that's crazy to me. She must. She obviously hits, I don't know if she hit a tree or a guardrail, but it's, she was killed in a high-speed chase. Her sister had to come down to identify the body. Randy was indicted on charges of racketeering and in conspiracy. He pleaded guilty and he got a 15-year prison term. He was probably already out. I mean, that was 10 years ago. But can you imagine this poor girl lost her life? That's one thing. I mean, he had her so paranoid that she, why did she have to flee? She did nothing wrong. 
I mean, I guess they could have got her because she was with a person that was a fugitive justice, but she would probably got probation if they if there was nothing else. That story always broke my heart because it was so unnecessary. She freaked out and took off and got into an accident because she was he had her so that's how you know she was so innocent. She he had her mind so freaked out that she became a different person. So this is another lesson, people. Women, men, please, if you meet someone and they take you away from your family, unless your family is that uh What's that little, that chick's name? Ruby Frank as your mother. Please do not run off. Remain calm and stay with your family. <laughs> or remain calm when the police come. I, I don't even know how to go into this. It freaks me out so bad that that's how she died. When I was first watching this, I was like, what? What? I feel like she hit a tree. It doesn't say that, but in my, my gut instinct, it was... Shannon Melende, what did we learn today, people? Shannon Melende, Boy Chanton is a jerk, should rot in hell. Jesse James Hollywood's a jerk. And poor Margie's mother, she's probably passed away. I don't know, it doesn't say. But somebody who is such an artiste played the violin to be mixed up with some jerk off who killed an elderly couple. Now, trust me, bikers. Eh, some are good. I've met some real asshole bikers. I worked at a strip club in the 90s, and there was this one guy. He was from, I can't, Pagans maybe. He used to always, like, try to scare me or something. I don't know. He said very inappropriate things to me, and I just looked at him, and it was like, you're terrifying, dude. I always had somebody pick me up. I was never afraid. You know, and one time, I will have to say, this always blew my mind. I had my whole tip money, which was substantial. And this was in the 90s. I mean, it was a couple hundred bucks in this bag. I still have the bag in the front room. It was a pink bag, like a makeup bag. And I would keep my tips in there. And I don't know, probably somebody didn't see it, because if they did, I'm sure it would have gone. But I had this tip money, and I lost that bag that night, and I was freaking out because I had just worked a solid eight hours, which was not easy at that club. But that bag was still there at the end of the night. And I always remembered, like, wow, you know, this place ain't that bad because somebody would have found it, you know, rooting. And nobody, just everyone kind of kept to themselves. There was good points and bad points about it. You know, constantly moving forward. Never staying in one spot. But there were some smart-ass girls, man. Okay, I am just losing it. But that was Debbie Kim with Rachel. I'm trying to get... I have so many freaking subjects. I do want to deep dive into some, but I, I'm overloaded. So I'm trying to do three at a time. Because I want to get back to the deep dives. I really do like deep dives. And always, like, when I go over something, if it's not as deep as you would like... Trust me, there's so much information on all three of these cases, especially the Shannon Melendez case. When she, when he goes up for parole again, I swear to God, I want to have a freaking... Oh, I can't think of any words anymore. A petition. I want to do a petition and get him to stay in jail. There's no reason that Lewis or Monique should have that guy out. He needs to be right where he is. Send this WQ with the right shoe. Have a great day. It's Sunday. Relax and watch flight if you get a chance.